What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Coffee with a friend is like capturing joy in a cup. Welcome to the Coffee with Jenny B podcast, hosted by Jenny B, a lover of all things coffee. Each week, Jenny will chat about connecting over coffee, what brings her joy, and everything in between. A lot can happen over coffee, so grab a cup, sit back, and enjoy. Now, here's your host, Jenny B. Hello and welcome to the show. I find it fascinating that diet and exercise can play such a crucial role in your health. I used to work for two nonprofits, Arthritis Society and Cancer Society, and that's where I learned how important a proper diet and exercise can help someone living with an autoimmune disease manage their symptoms and in some cases, give them that quality of life. And it's not just people living with autoimmune disease, it's all of us. If we have a proper diet, exercise, physical and mental health, it can make such a difference in the quality of our lives. My guest today is someone who is going to talk about the importance of proper nutrition, exercise, and looking after our overall health. Her name is Andrea Cates. She is the sole owner of Best You Nutrition. She is an integrative nutritionist. She is also the co-owner of Fit Communications with her sister, Allison. And she is the proud solo mom of her daughter, Joanna, and her dog, Chloe. Please help me welcome Andrea. Hey, Andrea. Oh, hi, Jenny. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, you're welcome, Andrea. So happy to have you here. And so I want to ask you, how did you get started with the world, I guess, of nutrition or the journey to becoming an integrative nutritionist? I've sort of definitely always been interested in health, fitness, um, and nutrition sort of overall for myself um, and for the people around me. Um, But in 2013, my mom was diagnosed with something called cholangiocarcinoma. And what that is, is it's cancer of the bile duct. And when she was diagnosed, um, she was already at stage four. So unfortunately, from the moment that she was diagnosed until the day that she passed was only 44 days. It was a very, very quick and fierce form of cancer um, that attacked her body. Um, And after losing her, you know, I think as everybody does, when you lose someone so close to you, you have a lot of questions of why. Um, And some of those I I did find some answers to within myself. Um, But some of those questions were about, you know, why didn't we see any warning signs? Why didn't we 
Um, you know, why couldn't we do anything prior to stage four? Um, and so it really got me interested in the idea of um, how our digestive system works. And because it's a digestive um, form of cancer. Um, and so it, with that, of course, it sort of takes you down a, a path or a rabbit hole of, of nutrition. So I went to um, the, Institu the Institute of Integrative Nutrition in New York, um, and I finished my certification there to become an integrative nutritionist. And there, not only did I, of course, learn about digestive um, health and why it's so important, but such a huge array of nutrition topics and why it's so important for our bodies. That's very interesting because I never, I mean, nutrition obviously is important because it, it helps to keep you healthy and so on and fuels your body. But I didn't realize that our digestive system was so closely tied to perhaps the type of nutrition that we're ingesting or perhaps, um, other, other causes, you know, I mean, cancer is certainly something that you never expect to experience when it comes to your digestive system. So, and I'm sorry to hear about your mom, um, but it's, it's kind of scary to think that we are, food can actually be harmful to us versus helpful. Absolutely. I mean, I try to think of it more so of, you know, what do we need to include in our diet rather than thinking about all the things we need to remove. Um, and it's a sort of the idea of crowding out. So if you're eating so many healthy foods, you don't have the space or time and, and need for those less than healthy foods. Um, and in terms of our digestive system, so I specialize in digestive health. Um, and the reason I do that, uh, more than just my story of why, um, but be, I, I honestly think that it's the, you know, it's the core of our body, but it's at the core of our health. 70% um, of our immune system is created in our digestive system. 90% of our serotonin is created in our digestive system. It's the only way for us to get nutrients to our entire body. So you can be eating a, a you know, a, great plate of healthy foods and Brussels sprouts and beans and, and all the good stuff. But if our digestive system isn't working really, really well, those nutrients aren't going to be able to get to our organs as efficiently and as effectively as we want. So it's really, really important for us to have a healthy digestive system and start there when we talk about our nutrition and our overall health. Okay. So how do we get to uh, have a healthy digestive system? Right. So, I mean, I think the first question too should be like, what is an unhealthy digestive system or is there signs or symptoms of an unhealthy one? So really it's a lot of symptoms. So gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea, IBS, sore stomach, gas, um, you know, all those types of things are signs that you might not be having a healthy digestive system. A healthy digestive system is one that feels good. You don't, you know, after you eat, you feel energized. Um, you don't have pains. You don't have any discomfort or anything like that. So that I think is first and foremost key to understand what that looks like. And then to get a healthy digestive system, there's a three-step process. First is removing. So removing the foods that are not doing well for our personal digestive system. And that's going to be different for everybody, right? So a lot, a lot of times we hear dairy or gluten, but you know, corn or soy or um, other things are, are that are in our diet that we don't necessarily realize are in our diet so much because they're in so many of the processed foods can be causing some of that digestive upset. So really understanding which foods are causing us issues and removing those and keeping them out of our system. And then the second thing is repairing and then what's called re-inoculating our digestive system. So really eating an anti-inflammatory diet is really important to sort of get that inflammation that's gone on in our, in our system for so long, relaxed and reduced and calmed down. And then re-inoculating it with some really, really healthy foods and supplements. So lots of 
probiotic and prebiotic foods. Um, there's some supplements that we can take. There's some added things that we can do with our diets, such as apple cider vinegar or aloe vera. So all, a lot of different things that we can be doing to help our digestive system work at its peak performance. Mm, that's very interesting. But it seems like it would be a lot of work to determine what is causing, um, say, you know, all those symptoms such as gas and bloating and diarrhea, etc. And how do we figure that out on ourselves? Or maybe we can't really do that. And is it better to see someone such as yourself to learn more about how we can have a better digestive system? I mean, it is difficult. I, I won't lie. It, it is something that I, I wouldn't suggest trying to do on your own because it's a it's a pretty intense process and can be difficult to understand if you don't know really what you're looking for or what you're doing. Um, but I can tell you, you know, I've worked with people who have come to me that have um, so many symptoms and they have been going on for so so long. Um, and you know, they tell me about their um, their bowel movements, for example, or their their history of pain and upset stomach and all of these issues that have been going on for so, so, so long. And these are things like, you know, I've had women sometimes that have come to me that um, only have a bowel movement every three or four weeks. Like that is something that's been going on for years in their life. And they've just, you know, understood that as that's normal for them. And when we start working together and understanding the foods that don't do well in their system and the foods that do better in their system and actually help things move along, it's, you know, change of night and day. They go from having a bowel movement once every three weeks to once every three days, which still is not enough. We still want to be having them every day. But to go from such a drastic change, for to figure that out on your own, I would say would be ex- extremely mm-hmm. difficult. Um, because if, if you could do it on your own, everybody would have figured it out by then. So, um, and I, I think a lot of times it's really about me listening to my clients too and understanding they've been living with that for their whole life or for a very extensive period of time. So what do they know? What is, what is their gut telling them about what's happening um, because there's a lot to be said for that as well. So I'm, you know, I'm coming into it with just my, my knowledge and my education, but they've been living with it. And so we sort of work together um, hand in hand and trying to figure out what those food issues are and what the foods that are going to give them um, some relief, but also, you know, better sleep, better energy, um, longevity, all those kinds of things can happen as well. Once we get things on the go. Hmm. You know, it made me think that, um, so you're talking about your client that, you know, was having, had, had all these issues and had them for a long time and didn't know why. It makes me think that when you have those kind of digestive issues, the first thing that you reach for is like Pepto-Bismol or, you know, anything that can help to deal with the heartburn and so on and so forth. But then, you know, they talk about those detoxes, you know, oh, here, have a cleanse, you know, cleanse your liver, cleanse your body. And that's actually doing more harm, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's two points to that. So um, reaching for relief, it kind of makes fast sense, right? In the moment, it's giving you relief, and that feels good. Um, but that's not a long-term solution, right? Like that's putting a bandaid on a bullet hole. You're not figuring out what the problem is. All you're doing is you're you're fixing it for now. And what we want to do is fix it forever. So we want to figure out why is that indigestion happening? Not just let's take away the indigestion. Yes, of course, we want to take that away. But 
part and parcel of figuring out why it's happening. And that's the really important piece so that you don't have to reach for the Pepto-Bismol or the antacids or whatever that looks like. Because when we overdo it with over-the-counter medications, it actually weakens our immune system and can cause um, you know issues with our liver and our kidneys as well. So that's something we want to do um, or we don't want to do for long, if at all. Um, and then to answer the second question um, with regards to detoxes. So it's funny because before I became a certified integrative nutritionist, I used to do detoxes. I thought that was the thing to do. I would do one or two a year. Um, and that I felt was a great thing to do. But when you know better, you do better. And for me, um, once I realized, you know, this actually isn't something that you need to do. Your liver is going to do a heck of a better job detoxing and your kidneys are going to do a heck of a better job detoxing than some pills in the box. That is their job. There's nothing that you're going to buy at a health food store or online that's going to do a better job in your liver and your kidneys. And so really just trusting your body and allowing your body to work in an efficient and effective way is what we need to be doing. And I totally get that. I want to go back to what you were saying about limiting our, or perhaps trying to eliminate eventually all the processed food in our diet and eating nutritious, wholesome food. So what type of food uh, do you recommend? You know, is it more vegetables? Is it fruit? Is it, what, what can you recommend for us to get back on track? For sure. So I think, um, you know, the demonization of processed foods is, is interesting to me because all processed foods aren't bad. It's when they're overly processed. So when you look at a package and it has 40 ingredients, is that even food anymore? Or is it just a list of ingredients, right? And so what we want to be doing is when we are looking at a packaged food, looking for something that has five, six or seven items in there and that we know what they are, right? So that's important when we talk about processed foods. Um, but really having a whole food diet is really important. So that's things like lots of vegetables, um, fruit, beans, nuts, seeds, lots of healthy fats. Um, some, um, you know, some, some animal product is okay. Um, we want to reduce that. We don't want to be having too many animal products. Um, but we really want to find our, um, our diet to sort of be full of those whole foods that we, um, that we understand what they are and we understand what the ingredients are. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about fat for a second because fat seems to get a bad rap. You know, everybody's like, oh, got to cut out the fat in our diet, but we actually need the healthy fat. And so what are some examples of healthy fat that we can include in our diet? Absolutely. So healthy fats are imperative and we should be eating about five to seven servings of them every single day. And so some examples of that are avocado, um, coconut oil, olive oil, olives, high fat Greek yogurt, nuts, seeds. Those are some things that we want to be having every single day. Um, there was a, a huge trend and I think everybody still has it a little bit in their mind about the low fat, no fat diet. And that was something that was a huge thing not long ago. Um, and that actually puts more fat on our body and it holds on to fat cells more. And so the eating of the low fat, no fat, we need to rid ourselves of that mentality and realize that there is healthy, good fats that we want to be eating. Um, and we want to avoid the unhealthier fats. So there are unhealthy oils or the saturated fats that are in meat. Okay, So those are things that we don't want to be eating. But half an avocado, a spoonful of, um, of chia seeds, some olive oil, some high-fat Greek yogurt, those are things that are really going to help us in so many different functions of our body. Mm-hmm. And when you think about a diet, and I want to call it a diet because that's what it is, is keto. Um, and keto is all about 
you know, just protein and fat, but it's not necessarily the healthy fat because when you go on keto, it's like, Hey, I can eat all the bacon and, you know, cheese and all that good stuff. But can you have that in moderation? I, I don't agree with that like for a few reasons. Number one, I think when we have a very restrictive diet like that, it's not going to be for a long period of time. So what happens when you go back to eating quote unquote normally? Um, so I think that what we should be doing is eating a way that we can have forever. So completely eliminating carbohydrates and eating a lot of unhealthy fats is not something that is good for your health long term. Um, the healthy fats, great. Protein, great. But you need carbohydrates in your diet. You need carbohydrates for energy. And whether you're running a marathon or you're not, that's not the point. You don't necessarily need it for fitness type of area, um, but you need carbohydrates for energy for things to digest, digest your food. Make sure your brain is working really well. Make sure your heart is pumping well. You, your body needs energy to function. And where we get our energy from is carbohydrates. And so we need to, we can make better choices with carbohydrates, right? It doesn't have to be white bread and white rice, but we can have sweet potato and oats and buckwheat. And those things are going to be really healthy carbohydrates that can fuel our body for the things that we want to do. And that's actually a really good segue into a workshop that you did. And I think you still continue doing it. It's called Eating for Energy. And I believe you talk about eating the rainbow. So tell us about that. For sure. So um, there's definitely some foods that we can um, add to our diet that give us more energy and fight off fatigue. Um, so that's a really important piece for sure. But the idea of eating the rainbow is a concept that is, um, you know, lots of people have probably heard about it before, but it's really making sure that we get our fruits and vegetables of every color. So red, orange, yellow, green, blue, um, purple and white. Okay. So we want to be getting those in every single day. So what I like to do with my clients is a bit of a challenge where we do a chart and it's like, okay, you know, Monday through Sunday is on one, one end of the chart and the colors of the rainbow are on the other side. And what are you getting in every day in each color? So are, you know, maybe red pepper, maybe an orange, maybe some lemon, um, maybe some broccoli, some blueberries, some, um, some mushrooms. So trying to get in every single color. And when we're, when we're talking about fruits and vegetable servings, we're looking for seven to nine servings a day, which is quite a bit more than the average person is getting. But if you can get one of every color in every day, you sort of nail both, both things there. So you're getting the serving amount that you need, but then you're also getting the variety of the colors. And the variety of the colors is really important because every color does something different. So some are going to be better for our immune system. Some are going to be better for our heart. Some are going to be better for cognitive um, issues or reducing cognitive decline. So depending on the color, it sort of depends on what it's going to be good for. So if you want to have overall general health, that's really great. Then you want to try and get in every color every day. Okay, good to know. And I know... Sometimes it can be difficult to get in all the colors, but when you're doing something like a smoothie, for instance, or uh, making a salad, it's, or um, perhaps uh, looking at maybe a vegetable dish, you know, plant-based, et cetera, it might be easy to be able to throw in a lot of those vegetables and then you're covering, if not all or, or most of the, the rainbow. So some, some great tips on, on what you can do to get that. Mm, absolutely. And I mean, I've done the test on myself to see like, am I, am I, 
walking the talk here. Am I getting every single color? And, you know, for me, I found, you know, orange, for example, that was a difficult one for me to get in. So as soon as I recognized that, I thought, okay, what can I do or what can I be buying at the grocery store that I'm not currently buying that I can easily incorporate into my day? Because I don't want it to be a huge make work project here, but let's figure out ways that I can easily incorporate it to, to make sure that it's working for me. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. And when you think about uh, eating for energy, because you, you were saying that, you know, each color gives uh, your body a different uh, boost of health or nutrition and so on. What else can you add for energy purposes? You know, I know you talked about a number of grains and so on, but what else could we add to our diet uh, to give us that energy that we need every day? For sure. So I would say um, one of the best foods to fight off fatigue is nuts. So if, if when you're feeling a little bit sluggish or you're feeling a little bit tired and a lot of people that's, you know, the three o'clock sort of time in the day or winding up from work or the kids are going to be finished school, um, a handful or two of, um, of nuts is probably one of the best things that we can do to fight off fatigue. The other great thing for, for our energy is water. Are you drinking enough water? Um, I know for me, it is a conscious effort that I need to be making every day to remember to drink water. And we aren't waiting until we're thirsty to drink. We should be drinking enough water so that our urine is a very, very light color yellow. If it's anything darker than that, we need to be adding more water. And there's not a magic number. There's not, you know, I think it was eight glasses a day is what everybody sort of has been told that that's what you should be drinking. But I might need more or I might need less depending on the foods that I'm eating, right? So if I have a lot of salt in my diet, then I might need more. If I'm really active, I might need more because I'm sweating it out. If I have a lot of uh, fruits and vegetables, I might need less because I have all the water content from that food. So it really sort of depends on what we're eating in our activity level for how much we really need. Um, but the best test is, you know, looking at, at the toilet bowl and seeing the color of your urine and, and either adding or, or staying where you are. Okay, good to know. And I just want to talk about nuts for a second before we move on to uh, talking about exercise. Are there particular nuts that you would recommend that are healthier for you? Because, I mean, if I look at something like a peanut or a cashew versus an almond or a walnut, which would be better for us in terms of nutrition? I mean, I always like to say, eat the ones you enjoy the most. You're definitely right about the raw piece for sure. Um, but it's important to get them in. And so if you hate walnuts, don't think that that's the one that you have to, the key to your health is going to be eating walnuts. Walnuts are really, really great for our brain health. So if you are getting a little bit older or something about your cognitive um, decline is happening, then that's something that I would recommend. Um, but there's not really a bad one out there. Um, some are higher in calories. So we do want to make sure that we're not overdoing it with them because we don't want to, you know, over or over and do, um, our calorie intake. Um, but a couple of handfuls isn't going to do that. So we should be okay there. So yeah, I, I mean, I would just say find the ones that you really enjoy and start with that. Um, and then as you find the liking for them, then you can, um, you can maybe pinpoint ones that are a little bit better for something that's specifically going on with you. But I, I mean, I think a mixed nut situation is really great, you know, whether it's Brazil nuts or almonds, walnuts, there's, there's not really a bad one out there. Okay, it's it's just getting it in, making sure we're at least eating nuts and not worrying about, you know, making sure that we're having the particular nut that we need. So uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Hi, it's Jenny. We'll get back to the show in a moment. But first... 
I invite you to check out my website, coffeewithjennyb.ca. That's Jenny with a G, where you'll find all the links to my episodes. You'll also find a variety of coffee gifts available for purchase, including my branded bag of Red Door Coffee Beans from Harrison's Coffee Company. As well, you'll find a link to join the Winnipeg Coffee Community Facebook group. I'll also be posting info about upcoming coffee tours and coffee nights. So keep checking my website for updates. You can also follow me on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, when we think about digestive health, of course, diet, as you as you've talked about, is very important. But exercise is also important too, because it also helps our digestive health and overall body health, I, I would imagine. So how important is exercise when it comes to nutrition? Absolutely. So when, when we talk about digestive health, um, moving every day is important because it can be what's called a motility agent. So a motility agent is something that gets our bowels moving. moving. And so um, that's super important. But from a, a health perspective, and especially when it comes to longevity, moving every day is what is important. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be going and doing a two hour elliptical. Um, that's not necessarily what's important, but you have to be moving every day. So I like to say a minimum of 30 minute activity would be great. So that could be going for a walk with your dog. That could be a yoga class. That could be weightlifting. So there is a variety of things for women. Um, specifically, we want to be trying to do weights, um, a minimum of two to three times a week for our overall health, especially as we age. Um, but definitely making sure that we have something going on with our, our fitness level is important when we talk about health. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And when it comes to exercise, I think about yoga. Now, yoga, when you're doing poses, obviously that can be a little bit more of, you know, you're working on your balance and your strength and so on. But there's also that issue of, or not issue, but there's also the idea of meditation. And so reducing stress in our in our lives. And so what else can we do to reduce stress? Because I know that stress can in- increase the cortisol in our bodies, which so when you're stressed, some people, when they're stressed, they overeat. It's like, you know, I, I have to deal with the stress somehow and I'm just going to eat everything. And, and so for other people like myself, when I'm stressed, I can't eat because everything that I eat, it just doesn't sit well with me. And so trying to reduce the stress in our, in our lives and in our bodies. So what else can you offer in terms of ways that we can help to reduce the stress in our lives. For sure. And it's so important to reduce. So what happens is when, you know, this is the analogy that I like to explain it. So um, we have a fight and fight freeze response, right? So when you're stressed from something like you're being chased by a bear in the woods, that's really good for your cortisol to shoot up and for your adrenaline to shoot up because you're going to be able to run faster. Your breathing patterns are going to change. Your heart's going to go faster. You're going to be thinking differently. That's really good for our cortisol to levels to go up. A day or two later, you've evaded the bear, your stress level goes down, all those numbers go back to normal, and you just have a really good story to tell. The problem is that our body and our brain doesn't understand the difference between I'm being chased by a bear and my work is really stressful. So you're having the same bodily effects from sitting at your desk, which is shooting a ton of glucose into your your bloodstream. And what's happening is that you're not running that off. You're sitting in front of a desk and you're stressed and you, you know, you don't know what to do, but you think, oh, I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to work harder, harder, harder so that I can reduce the stress. 
but that glucose is just coming into our into our bloodstream more and more, which makes you crave more sugar and more carbohydrates. And you can't trick your brain out of that. So what do we need to do? We need to, first of all, I think, identify our sources of, of stress. So, you know, sometimes I hear from people, it's work or it's my kids. or But I'm sure it's not everything about your work or everything about your kids, I hope, right? So well, what is the key thing that's happening? Is it you know, your, your boss, maybe it's a certain project, maybe it's something to do with the technology you're working with. And with your kids, maybe it's your nighttime routine, or um, they're not, you know, they're picky eaters or something, but I'm sure it's not everything that's going on in one of those scenarios. So really pinpointing what that area of stress is and trying to fix that. That's first and foremost. And then we need to be doing stress reduction activity every day. Now that doesn't have to be sitting on a yoga mat for two hours and arming your way through it. But you can do a guided meditation for five or 10 minutes first thing in the morning. You can do some stretching. You can take a walk with your dog or just out in the nature for 15, 20 minutes. It doesn't have to be anything huge, but it has to happen every single day. Stress is connected to almost every single disease out there. It is so hard on our body. It puts weight on our body and it, and it, it also really shows chronic issues, whether it's chronic pain or chronic disease as we, as we age. And so it's really, really important to reduce that, um, reduce that stress and, and using those stress, um, reduction activities daily. Mm -hmm. Those are, those are really good, uh, examples of how we can reduce stress in our lives. How important is breathing in our overall health? And I'm not just talking about shallow breathing because we tend to breathe in our chest, right? So what, what type of breathing should we be doing? when we are stressed to bring those, that cortisol level down that, that, okay, I'm not being chased, chased by the bear, but I need to, I need to reduce the stress. And, and so what type of breathing can we do to help with that? So I have two examples. Um, the first one would be my grandma always used to say count to 10 and then she would say 98, 99. But what her idea was, you know, take a minute for yourself, just calm yourself down and just, you know, take that moment for yourself. And that's okay. Counting to 10, just relaxing yourself. Um, the other example that I always would say is um, from Dr. Andrew Weil, who's the founder of Integrative Medicine, and he's brilliant. So if you can follow him on um, on social media or join his newsletter, I would strongly suggest that. Um, but he does breathing exercises where it's, you know, breathing in for seven, holding it for five, and then exhaling for seven. Um, and doing that a few times, it really just kind of takes your body out of the moment um, and calms yourself down a little bit. And so, you know, repeating that a few times um, in a row, um, or if you need to do it a few times in a day, that's okay too. It just It's just a little, you know, one minute exercise that can um, just help you a little bit. Okay, good to know. And it's not difficult. I mean, counting to 10, it's easy to do. And, and, and even, and even just thinking about, so sometimes when you think about meditation and, and myself included, is that my brain is going everywhere. But I think if we just concentrate on maybe counting, so we're thinking about the numbers that we're counting, or maybe we're thinking about the breath that we're taking in, you know, counting to seven in our mind, and then, you know, releasing for five, that can help us stay focused on the breath instead of having our minds going everywhere because we're trying to reduce that stress. And so by thinking about everything, it's just adding to that stress. So those are really good uh, ways of thinking about breathing and, and bringing, you know, everything down to a more manageable level, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like a guided meditation too, because I, I know for myself, like 
my brain sort of starts to go everywhere as well. If I'm sitting quietly, it, I just start to think about what's happening this afternoon or what do I need to do or those kinds of things. And so um, for me, what I like to do is a guided meditation because then it, it sort of makes your mind go to what they're suggesting or what they're wanting you to focus on. And that sort of helps you take your mind off of the stress that's happening in your life. I want to go back to the experience that your mom went through in terms of the the cancer that she was diagnosed with and the fact that it happened so very quickly and the fact that perhaps the symptoms weren't picked up on. Now, when we think about going to see a doctor and sharing our symptoms and so on, and sometimes we're told, oh, it's this or it's that, or, you know, don't worry about it. You know, here, here's a prescription, take that and you'll feel better. But when we don't feel better or we're missing those, those symptoms, what can we do to make sure that we're, first of all, being listened to or that we're be, being given the, the right care and attention or perhaps that we're being taken seriously? You know, there's something, there's something wrong. I don't know what it is. And instead of saying, oh, it's nothing, here's a prescription, I'm going to work with you to find out what it is. And so what, what can we do to be advocates for ourselves? I think, you know, you just, you hit the nail on the head is advocating for yourself. If you are going to a healthcare professional um, or your doctor and they seem to be disregarding what you are saying, then you need to find a new doctor. Um, anytime you are told, you know, it's, it's called medical gaslighting. And really, if you're being told that um, what your symptoms are, are all in your head and, and you know, you're living with them. It's happening with your body you know, on a daily basis or sometimes an hourly basis, then you need to find somebody who's going to help you figure out what's going on. Um, so I would say first and foremost, making sure that you are being heard by your doctor. And if you're not, then to switch doctors. And I know that in our current medical system, it is difficult to find a new doctor, but it's not impossible. So we need to do that. I think the second thing is really doing a little bit of work for ourselves. Um, so my suggestion would always be to really track things really well um, so that when you do come to the doctor, they take you a little bit more seriously. And it's also not a guessing game for them, right? If you come and say, well, I have a little bit of pain sometimes and I'm not really sure why. Well, then that doesn't, what are, where are they starting from with that, right? That's a very difficult situation to put them in as well. But if you come with a chart that says, you know, these, after I do these activities, this is the pain that I'm having on a scale of one to 10. This is what the pain feels like. This is exactly where it's happening. This is exactly when it's happening. And we actually sort of do that forward work for them. Um, then that's going to make it not such a guessing game. And they're going to be a little bit more able to help pinpoint what's going on. Um, so I think we need to um, do some of the work ourselves for sure. Um, and don't go down the, you know, the rabbit hole of Google and trying to figure out what it is yourself because everybody does it. Let's be honest. Every single person I'm sure listening to your show is, has gone onto Google and it's super scary what you think it might be when you see the possibilities. Um, and maybe that is a possibility, but the chances are pretty slow or pretty low. And so what we really want to do is have the information that perhaps we can find on Google in terms of um, naming the pain or naming the symptoms, that's important um, because we want to at least be able to give something to our doctors when we visit them. Um, but in the same breath, don't freak yourself out too much and think you're dying because you have a headache. Okay. So uh, when we're looking at Dr. Google, 
we need to make sure that perhaps we're going to sites that are reputable, such as the Mayo Clinic, for for instance, or uh, other sites that are that that are um, deemed reputable, and we can look at what the information is, and then take that information along with the symptoms that we've been tracking for ourselves to bring that information to the doctor because it's really data. And it's, you know, it's data and it's facts. And, you know, it's not like, oh, I, like you were saying, I sometimes have a pain and I'm not sure, you know, what's going on. It's no, when I do this, it's this. And even when we think about our digestive system, going back to that for a second and pinpointing how we feel after we eat certain foods. So after I eat this, this is how I feel. I get heartburn when I eat that. So maybe I'm not going to eat that, but writing it down so that I can see if there's a pattern And maybe, so for instance, you know, we talk about gluten and, you know, celiac disease and so on. We may not necessarily know that we're dealing with that because gluten can be in everything. And so if we're being tested and so, yes, I do have a gluten allergy. Now, when I'm looking at labels and you're, you're talking about if, if I can't read or I don't understand what all these words are in in a food, maybe I shouldn't be eating that. And then going back to looking at what is going to be good for my body. And so it's really, like you say, being our own advocate in a sense that we're tracking what we're eating, tracking what we're doing, tracking our symptoms. And, and yeah, going down that rabbit hole, my, my husband, he's, he's a perfect example of this. Every time something's going on, oh, I have cancer. And my daughter, who's a nurse told him, okay, first of all, stop thinking that you have cancer and don't Google anything. Talk to me. <laughs> yeah, she's right. I completely agree with her. And I mean, the other thing about tracking, like I, I often do food journals with clients where, I mean, we don't need to be tracking our food for the rest of our lives, but for, you know, seven or 10 days or something to see if there are some patterns. And, and it's helpful for them to, first of all, they might see that pattern that they didn't see before. And then for me, because then it gives me, number one, it gives me a better idea of what they're really eating, but also that second set of eyes sometimes can see patterns. Um, Oh, well, you know, every time you eat X, the next day, this is happening. You're, or you're getting really poor sleep or you're feeling really low energy or something like that. So those are things we really want to make sure that we are um, not only looking at the physical symptoms, but also, you know, how's our mental energy? How's our sleep? Those things can all be affected by our food. And so if we really kind of take a good look at what we're eating and how it's making us feel physically and mentally, um, then we can start to solve some of our problems. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about some information that you shared with uh, us. I attended a, a workshop that you did. It was a couple of weeks ago. And I remember you were talking about some stats when it came to our health. And in particular, you were talking about our hormones. You know, if there's an imbalance in our hormones, you had mentioned the, uh, our liver, you know, liver enzymes. And also you were, you were talking about the importance of including omega-3 in our diets. But why is that important to make sure that we're checking all those levels? For sure. So, I mean, I think everybody should be going for an annual checkup. All men, all women, that should be happening every single year, forever. And when we're doing that, some of the things that we're going to be checked for are with our blood work or our urine analysis and those sorts of things. Um, Our doctors, most of the time, are going to automatically be checking our vitamin D levels. That's something that would be sort of an automatic checkbox. 
Um, but as women, it is something that we think we need to ask for. I, I believe we need to ask for with regards to our hormone levels. That isn't something that is automatically checked. It is the exact same blood work. There is nothing special about the test. So it, it's nothing for, for us not to do. Um, and our liver enzymes as well. So that's something that can um, affect both men and women as well. Um, but we want to make sure that we're getting that checked to make sure that we um, aren't high there. And, and if we are high with our liver enzymes, that means we have inflammation in our liver. Our liver is a really, really important organ to be getting our waste out and to make sure that all the toxins that are in our body are being exited properly. And if we have inflammation on there, that is going to slow that process down. And so we really want to make sure that we have normal level of liver enzymes and that we don't have any issues with that. That circles back to the idea that we should be eating an inflammatory diet or foods that can control or eliminate the inflammation in our bodies, right? Absolutely. An anti-inflammatory diet is a really important piece of the puzzle when we talk about nutrition. So there's a lot of different foods that we should absolutely be eating more of and some that we should be eating a little bit less of. I'm actually doing a workshop on March 11th on Zoom, all with regards to the anti-inflammatory diet and why it's important, how to do it, some recipes, um, some snack ideas, that kind of thing. So um, that's happening on Zoom on March 11th. But it's really, really important to reduce our inflammation. Inflammation can be tied to almost every chronic pain and chronic disease that's out there. Um, and I can't say that there would be a doctor that would disagree with this piece for sure. It's a really, really healthy way to eat. And it's fairly, it's fairly easy to sort of incorporate into your day. And it's a really tasty way to eat. And so um, understanding why it's important, I think, is key. And then what it really means and how do we do it is, is what's important here. That's good to know. And and I'm glad that you're continuing to offer those workshops and webinars for us to learn more about how we can, first of all, eat more healthy, eat for energy, think about you know what we're putting into our bodies and to help us gain that overall health. Yeah. You know, honestly, like I, I really am passionate about helping people feel their best selves. And I think that the more knowledge that we have, the better decisions that we can make at the grocery store and at the dinner table um, for ourselves and for our family. And so the more that I can do to help people get there and be inspired to live their healthiest selves and healthiest lives, the, the better things are for me. <laughs> so for instance, if we wanted to learn more about eating for energy, we wanted to learn more about overall health and so on and hire you as a, as a nutritionist or as a coach, how would we get in touch with you? For sure. So my website is bestunutrition.ca. Um, and so there's some contact information on there and lots of different information about the programs that I offer. Um, so I do lots of one-on-one -on -one coaching, but I, as you mentioned, I also do workshops usually about every two months. I'll come up with a topic for, um, for a larger group and they're always on Zoom. Um, the, except for the women's wellness event that you were at in January. So I'm hoping to get some more live events happening as things get a little bit better with our world. And so, but, but often they are also on zoom. So, um, but everything can be found at bestunutrition.ca under events for the workshops and then under programs for the one-on-one -on -one coaching. Okay. Good to know, because I know that sometimes we can do an okay job making sure that we're, you know, eating the right foods and looking after our health. But sometimes we need someone that can guide us in the right direction. And I love the idea of the chart and, you know, th keeping track of what we're eating and making sure that we're eating the rainbow on a daily basis and getting all the nutrition that we need. And 
and perhaps giving us, as you, as you were talking about, some recipes and tips and and so on in terms of making food fun and enjoyable and instead of a chore and helping us to be better advocates for ourselves and look after ourselves. It's so important. You know, we only get one life and we only get one body to live in it. Um, and the, the choices that we make every single day, whether it be with our nutrition, our fitness level, our stress reduction, those things are going to make long-term great impacts for our health. So we have that choice and that's up to eat ourselves to, to make those choices on a daily basis. And sometimes it's small tweaks and sometimes it's a really big overhaul. It kind of depends on where you're starting. Um, but I, I just think, you know, why not live as best as you can and for as long as you can. Um, and those things can all happen when we um, make better choices for ourselves and our families. I agree. Thank you so much, Andrea. And thank you for sharing all your knowledge about eating and nutrition and exercise and everything that we can do to make sure that we live a long and happy life. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. It was wonderful. Thanks, Andrea. So until next time, think about how you can incorporate healthy foods into your diet, eating the rainbow, making sure that you are tracking the foods that do not agree with you. Moving your body 30 minutes a day. You can break it up or do it all. Go for a walk, play with your dog, do some Zumba, and think about taking time for yourself. Breathing, some guided meditation, trying to reduce the stress in your life. And if you want someone to guide you into being a better version of yourself, a healthier version of yourself, please connect with Andrea at bestunutrition.ca. Thanks so much for listening. If you like Coffee with Jenny B and want to know more, connect with Jenny on Instagram at Coffee with Jenny B. That's Jenny with a G. Until then, all you need is joy and more coffee. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundle, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network.